0: I'm writing a novel is the show where you join me, Oliver Brackenbury, on the journey of writing my next novel, from first ideas all the way to publication and promotion. In this one-man reality show, I'll share with you my ever-evolving thoughts and feelings on how I write, being a writer, and everything that entails at each stage of the process. I'll also interview special guests involved in writing and publishing. If you're the kind of person who likes to learn how things are made and get to know the people making them, then this is the show for you. I'd like to say a quick thank you to our Patreon supporters who make this show possible. Patrons receive perks like me telling them they're really special and patting myself on the head, because that way it's less condescending. And if you're not one already, you can check out all the other perks and exclusive content over at Patreon.com/slash. So I'm writing a novel. As I record this, it is March 11th, 2023. It has been one week exactly since New Edge Sword & Sorcery magazine successfully funded to 114% of our minimum goal, meaning we can do double art, twice as many illustrations, 18 original black and white interior illustrations per issue. Boy, am I happy. Thank you so much to everyone who backed and shared the project. It literally wouldn't happen without you, right? So that's very exciting. Magazine month, so to speak, was February and that is over now, but... I still have Sword and Sorcery Publishing on the brain, and as timing would have it, there is another Sword and Sorcery Kickstarter that by the time you hear this will be up, but is starting just a couple of days ahead of me speaking right now, for Swords in the Shadows. It's a prose anthology collecting over 20 stories and featuring a murderer's row of talented authors, including Stephen Graham Jones and Hayley Piper, edited by comic book author Cullen Bunn who has a real taste for horror, which only makes sense because this anthology is described as being sword and sorcery and horror. I'll let Colin explain to you what that means in the interview, which I could just edit to you right now. Hey, why don't I do that? with Colin Bunn. Good morning Colin. Good morning, how are you? Doing well and uh, yeah just kind of recovering from my own Kickstarters we were discussing earlier. I I feel like I should have shaved even though this is a podcast Uh, and (laughs) I'm happy to have you on here. I'm recording on March 11th but by the time this goes up the the Kickstarter for Swords um, in the Shadows should be live and I will put a link to that in the show notes folks. You should go check it out. So uh, yeah why don't we start in the shallow end of the pool and work our way into the, the deeper stuff. I'm curious, you know, I'm sure you've encountered this. People love to argue the nitty gritty of like, what is sword and sorcery as opposed to high fantasy, epic fantasy, grim, dark, you know, whatever. And so, you know, how would you define sword and sorcery for someone who isn't familiar with it as a separate fantasy subgenre? How would you differentiate it?
1: It's an interesting question because I think, especially as I was editing this anthology, I think it's obvious that different people have a very different view of what sword and sorcery mean for me so you have to fall back on personal taste to some to some degree for me sword and sorcery is different from high fantasy in that it's a little more it's a little more grounded it's a little more low fantasy uh i was just describing the other day to someone i said you know in in high fantasy you've got you've got armies of monsters you know ris- you know rising up under the command of a a great and terrible godlike sorcerer in Sword and Sorcery, the hero may connect with, may contact one monster, and it's the most terrible thing they've ever encountered ever. It's this ghastly creature, and it's awful. And And I think that kind of defines it for me. It's, this, it's, a, it's a little bit more, it's a little grittier, it's a little more realistic, it's a little dirtier, it's a little meaner. Not net. Not necessarily Grimdark, although some grimdark fantasy is definitely sort well, I would count as sword and sorcery. But uh but it just has this sort of this earthy goodness that uh that I've always really uh, been drawn to. And and I'm not I'm not I'm not talking down about high fantasy. I love high fantasy too, but uh but sword and sorcery always will always have a, a little bit of a special place in my heart.
0: Oh yeah, well I think it's I think I think uh despite what some corners of the internet uh, suggest, you are allowed to like two things. So <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: It's okay to like to like them both.
0: <laughs> and I agree with you. Yeah, definitely the more sort of grounded thing. To me, it's kinda of like, you know, some you know maybe High Fantasy is reading a Superman story, maybe uh you know, Sword and Sorcery tends to be a little closer to your your Batman Green Arrow kind of like daredevil end of the spectrum. Yeah. That.
1: You know, and it's interesting though, because obviously the stories of say Conan or Kane or you know those are sword and sorcery stories and they've got that low that low that low fantasy feel uh but I also consider Michael Moorcock's Elric sword and sorcery it's just heavier on the sorcery property side of things than the sword side of things yeah
0: oh yeah but I mean like Conan like you know Elric is kind of an outsider you know even if he starts off as emperor's people that that ends very quickly as you know uh and yeah yeah it totally fits the bill in so many ways uh, now I'm curious. Uh, I, I'm realizing as we're as I'm talking with you here, I think you're at least the third person from North Carolina or Carolina that I've had on here. And I wonder if there's something in the water going on there. Because uh, yeah, I, I wonder if you could tell us. You know, growing up in North Carolina, how did you become a sword and sorcery fan, uh, and why?
1: Um. So yeah, maybe maybe people in North Carolina just need fantasy to try to escape a little bit. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was always drawn. I, I guess my first love as a kid was science fiction. Um, but I very quickly started gravitating towards fantasy, uh, especially when I was in second grade. I had a friend whose older brother played Dungeons and Dragons. And he would bring his D&D module, he would bring his older brother's D&D modules to school and we'd look at them. We'd just pour over them at lunch just because the art was so amazing and we loved the, you know, it, it just inspired the imagination. So then we started playing D&D. Uh, and so playing Dungeons and Dragons kind of opened the door um, to all the books that had really inspired that game in the first place. And yes, of course, Tolkien, but uh, it was not long after that, that I I discovered, so I was very young when I discovered Robert E. Howard paperbacks at a used bookstore somewhere or at a garage, it might've been a garage sale. And, and I got some Robert E. Howard Conan stories, just a, you know, the Conan stories were always presented out of chronological order anyway. So I don't know what stage I was reading the, the stories of Conan, where he was in his life, but I was immediately just sucked into that world. Um, so it was Conan, and then and then definitely more high fantasy stuff with, you know, Tolkien and the Dragon Riders of Pern and Earthsea and all these books. You know, started coming into my, coming into my orbit. And then a little later, uh, the Michael Moorcock books really and, and the Fritz Lieber stories just started becoming more and more interesting to me. And then there was this great anthology series. Uh, that i for the life of me right now i can't remember the name of it but i it might have been just called swords or swords in the swords it, it, it might have just been called swords or something like that Swords and
0: sorceresses maybe it, it might have
1: been but i know do you remember the i mean i'm sure it's still around the science fiction book club where you could order like you know 10 books for a dollar <laughs> and then <laughs> and they had those they had those great Collected editions of the Elric books, and uh, and but they also had they were also releasing these hardback Sword and Sorcery anthologies, and and just getting those and seeing the different in different writers telling stories uh, that were similar or were in the same vein, but were representing vastly different takes on fantasy. Uh, just really, it's stuck with me all these years, except obviously for the title of that anthology. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's just how that goes sometimes. I mean, I'm the guy with a podcast who talks about it all the time, and I don't know how many times I've been interviewed. like, yeah, you know the book called Oh, Dear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Yeah, and I I think it's really neat, the flexibility you talk about, I think for me, and and maybe you feel the same way, this is one of the things about Sword and Sorcery that's really cool, is you can keep it recognizable as being within the genre while interpreting it in wildly different ways. Oh, for sure. You know, Robert E. Howard is not Moorcock, it's not, you know, Liver is not, and so on, and yeah, I'm sure that's the case uh, in your anthology, but before we get to it, I just want to ask one more question about the genre, because, you know, it is described in the, um, at least the material on the website, as kind of a Sword and Sorcery and horror anthology. Yes, which is not a huge surprise you know if anybody knows your bibliography could you please share with us your take on the importance of horror particularly in sword and sorcery
1: so i've always felt and maybe this is what i should have how i should have talked about the differences between sword and sorcery and high fantasy i've always felt that sword and sorcery has an element of darkness and horror to it there's always something a little uh menacing and scary. and in, in my favorite sword and sorcery stories. Uh the you know, when you read a, a Conan story, some of that borders on cosmic horror, some of the stuff that uh, that goes on in those oh, yeah. stories. Tower and, of the Elephant at the end there. <laughs> yeah, Tower of the Elephant's the best example of just I mean it's a it's a terrifying story when you really think <laughs> about it. And um and I I just always uh I've always been drawn to that. And even uh you know, and I failed to mention this when you're talking about, you know, my introduction to Sword and Sorcery. How could how could I, of all people, fail to mention comic books in the mix of things? And, you know, those Conan comic books of my youth, a lot of those stories were terrifying. And there was an even there was another store another series that DC put out called Claw the Unconquered. And and Claw was absolutely a Conan rip off he looked like conan just in slightly different armor and he had a gauntlet on one of his hands but what was great is when he took that gauntlet off it was like this crazy gnarled demon werewolf hand because he had been corrupted as a baby or something and it was but i remember reading that very young reading i was like oh this is so scary he takes that hand and he grabs people with it and it's you know it's um and i was always scared of claw but I also thought he was the coolest character around, you know. I I just like those those fusions of of darkness and fantasy. So when uh so uh, Swords in the Shadows is the first the first book we're putting out under the Outer Shadows Imprint for Outland Entertainment. And the Outer Shadows Imprint is my imprint. It's going to be stories I write, but also uh books like swords in the shadows that i'm editing and curating and i'm bringing in stories in so i wanted to do something a little unexpected i wanted to i wanted to embrace that idea of sword you know outland has always published a lot of fantasy stuff so i said well let's do something that's fantasy but show the readers that fantasy can have some darkness to it too some real not just darkness but these are horror stories they're i mean they are some of these stories are (laughs) get pretty dark and pretty uh you know pretty horrific and, and that's what I liked about it. I just wanted to to showcase I didn't want to just uh, play on the fringes of the darkness in Sword and Sorcerer. I really wanted to to showcase that and and dive into it.
0: Yeah, and like I do you think maybe uh, would you agree that like there's horror in the sense of like, oh no a werewolf like a monster is gonna eat you but then there's the cosmic horror that you mentioned, sort of weird, uncanny kind of thing almost look crafty in horror. Uh that I think is a big part of what sets it apart from say other, other subgenres.
1: Yeah, um, there's do you, do
0: you say that's key? Yeah, for
1: sure. Uh and you know and even with, with with any horror story, the monster's not the the werewolf's not the scary part. I mean a werewolf is could would be scary if a if a werewolf burst in through my office door right now, uh it would be a terrible, terrible mess here in the office. Hell
0: uh, of a podcast interview, though. It, but, uh... would
1: make for, it would make for awesome podcasting. <laughs> Comic book writer, editor, <laughs> eviscerated by werewolf, live on podcast. You know, but um yeah, I guarantee we put the video of that up. Uh,
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, if people could see me unshaven. They wouldn't be looking at that part. I don't think. Yeah, um, <laughs> but to your but, point, sorry. So if a werewolf came in, you know, it's,
1: it's how the it's how the characters interact. It's what the characters are going through. You know, on a certain level, that the 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 horror comes from the situations that the, these characters are in and how these characters are feeling and. The fate these characters are are looking at, not just the monster, sometimes the monster, but but it's it's deeper than that, and that's really what we wanted to do here. And then, yes, for some reason, sword and sorcery just seems to to lean more into these dark and uncaring forces that are out there in the universe, uh, ready to see us. Uh, actually, not ready. They don't care if we fail, and maybe that's scary to us as a as the coddled humans that we are, we're so terrified by something that simply doesn't care about us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think there's this really neat tension in Sword and Sorcery that I like, where, you know, it was born around the same time as, like, of course, Lovecraft's horror, where in those, the protagonists face an uncaring universe, and that uncaring, as you say, is terrifying, and they tend to wind up in an asylum from which they're narrating their own story or whatever, you know, but whereas, like, Conan and, and his contemporaries would face those same things and still feel fear and sometimes run for their lives, but also sometimes take their sword up and do what they can. Right. Uh, you know, I think there's, I think it's kind of neat not knowing which way it's going to go in any given sword and sorcery story. Like Fritz his library, his fellows, uh, fafnir and certainly ran the hell away from they, <laughs> you know, when they when they encountered right, yeah. some really terrifying weird cosmic stuff. Sometimes, but sometimes they stood up for themselves. And so I'm curious to see should the authors' interpretations in your anthology on that whole angle of, uh, you know, heroes quote unquote facing cosmic horror.
1: Yeah, and you know there are. T- you know we're dealing with 22 stories here, and it's 22 very different takes. Um, the, some of the heroes are very heroic. Some of you know uh, some of these heroes are, are characters who these authors have written about before in, in their novels. Uh, Kagan the Damned, Krogan. They're, I mean, these are characters that are have been around uh, in other in other novels or stories. Um, some of them are new characters that are just being introduced in this but they're very different takes on how uh they approach the 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 forces of darkness that are closing in around them
0: yeah so so i'm looking forward to reading it and and i'm curious uh, also um you you mentioned a little bit of this but what is the origin story of this anthology because you know you've done a bit of red Sonia, but by and large if someone just browses your wikipedia they won't see a lot of sword and sorcery there so it's kind of interesting to see you leaping over into the into the genre now and as an editor. Uh, well, how was this like, project born?
1: Yeah, this is. Uh, so yeah, you're right. In the comics world, I've done a, I've done a Red Sonya story, and I wrote Conan for a little while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but this this kind of genre, this kind of story, is these kind of stories are near and dear to me. It's just it, it's it can't really be be more, it's not more simple than than. It's not more complicated than that. It's. I love these types of stories. Um, I love the the genre of sword and sorcery, and I, I always have. And yes, I write more horror fiction. Um, but hey, I'm editing. You know, I can I throw my I throw my horror vibes into this uh, because that's what I reached out to the, the authors and requested. I wanted, uh, I wanted a, to I wanted to the. The guideline of the anthology was let's create a new uh a new genre it's not s S&S, s it's s and s and h it's you know sword sorcery and horror so uh i wanted just to see i wanted to see what these writers would do with it uh when i started out as a writer um i didn't know how to submit to comic book publishers i didn't know i would i was writing proposals and sending it to editors and getting form letter rejections left and right because i just didn't know how to do it Mm -hmm. so i focused on short stories and in particular particular horror stories and i started going to the the world horror convention and things like that Uh, that was my first real networking conventions were, were those kind of events and i love the the folks who write horror so much they I have never seen a group of creators in all my years as a as a writer. No other group was more embracing and welcoming than the horror community. Uh, when I walked when I walked through the door at the first World Horror Convention I went to, there were writers that I idolized who welcomed me with open arms. They, you know, just Hey, like I was an old friend and uh, and it, it has it is it's it's stuck with me in my heart ever since I've loved the horror genre I love the people who write in the horror genre. I'm not I'm not belittling the comic book creators of the world, but frankly, it's just the truth of the matter is the horror, the horror community is they are great folks. The, the, the creators out there are, are wonderful people. And so when, when I launched, when I started talking to Outland about launching uh Outer Shadows, one of the first things in my mind was like, oh, we've got to do an anthology. And I wanted, to, I wanted it to have a theme. I wanted it to be a little, you know, some. I didn't want it just be, hey, here's a bunch of spooky stories. I wanted <laughs> it to have some sort of guiding light. And, uh and there are a few that are upcoming that have other guiding lights that are mashups or focuses on maybe a weirder side of horror fiction and uh that i'm excited about down the line but uh this one just seemed right to me at the time uh, so i just it began uh,
0: with pitching to outland or, or or did you already talk to some of the authors and go hey if i did this thing would you be into it like where, yeah, where, so, you know?
1: yeah so i've been uh i've been working with outland for a few years now i've known them for a long time uh i've known jeremy the head honcho over there for a while i think they're I think they're great folks. I think they do some amazing books. Uh, their books are gorgeous. And, uh, and and they do, they have an interesting platform in that they do books, games, comics. They're very multimedia in that, you know, that approach and I like that. So uh, I guess it's been a little, uh, little over, maybe about a year ago, I just, uh, I sent Jeremy a text and said, Hey, would you be interested in do it? You don't do a lot of horror fiction. You do a little bit, but would you be interested in doing an imprint? That's all horror fiction. And it, you know, it falls under my umbrella. We'll do some of my stuff, other stuff. I'll edit other stuff. I might just bring in because I'm excited about it. And, uh, and he, yeah, he responded immediately. We were on the phone that day, kind of going over the, you know, the, the initial steps of what we would want to do. Um. And it's nice for me working with them because they have a great team over there that can help me with designing and putting the books together and fulfillment and copy editing and all these things that that I mean there's a lot of work that goes into these these books beyond writing of the stories and the you know reaching out to creators and and you know getting you know putting the the, the table of contents together and everything it's it's a it's a lot of work to go into these books to make them as as strong as they can be. And, uh, and yeah, so I was, I was excited to work with them. And yeah, we've got, we've got some big plans, I think, uh, going forward. I mean, in success, we have big, big plans. We gotta, we gotta see how this first book does.
0: I I strongly sympathize. Uh, I, I won't go talk about it because we're here to talk about your thing, but a week ago I wrapped up, up a, a Kickstarter for new issues of My Own Sword and Sorcery magazine, and there were all these big ideas, and I was like, I'll think about those harder after the Kickstarter. Like, let's see yeah, how we, that goes.
1: <laughs> it's uh It's a. I mean, it, I don't know that, that folks realize how much work you obviously do, how much work these Kickstarters are. Yeah, and, uh, yeah,
0: though no, they're draining. Yeah, uh, and especially with, like, you know, uh, I, I I think I think you guys will be fine. You have a, a murderous row of talent. You know, I love horror, but I've got a friend who like lives it. And when I showed him the list of authors, he was like, this is the cool kids table. Like he said, right. it with love, you know, it's like these, these are these are the people. They all know each other, probably. And they, this is this is some good, solid talent. So I yep. have no doubt you'll succeed. I, well, I and, uh, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we,
1: we are. you know I feel very lucky. To have this team on this book um and to your friend's point i didn't know all of them i knew who they were because i would read their books and read their stories and i'm a fan but uh i didn't know uh i maybe knew i'm looking over at the table of contents right now so i maybe knew <laughs> half of them you know i maybe knew half <laughs> of them but uh but i didn't i but i knew who a lot of them were and and some of the folks who are contributing to this this book yeah, they're some of the biggest name that is definitely some of the biggest names in the horror fiction genre. And then some of the most exciting new names in the horror fiction genre. And then I have, a, you know, we have some others who these are some of their first published work because so
0: did you do like a limited open submissions or was it all direct solicitation? How did you handle so, that side?
1: So for this one, coming out of the gate, I really wanted I knew first of all, I knew I was busy this was an ambitious idea for me to take on at this time in my life anyway so i knew i was busy so what i did was uh i invited all of the contributors to this this project so everybody that got everybody who's in here was an invited an invited writer these were again some people i knew some people i just direct messaged on twitter and said hey would you like to be in a a sword and sorcery?" you know collection sword and sorcery and horror collection people Um, complain about
0: twitter but it's good for that it's really good for just getting in touch
1: (laughs) it is and i I mean it's worse now than it ever has been but i it's (laughs) no it's twitter i got my first big two comic book job through twitter so it's a great so i mean i don't want to get i'll never get rid of it because it's awesome to hear from people that it's a great way for people to to reach out and connect um but yeah uh so I invited, I invited all of these folks instead of doing open submissions. Now that doesn't mean I won't do open submissions in the future, I probably will. Uh, years ago, again, before I was, a uh, before I had really, definitely before I broke in as a professional writer, I published a magazine called Whispers from the Shattered Forum. And it was one of the, you know, zines printed at the coffee shop, and and that was, that was an open submission magazine that paid almost nothing. And, uh, and we were just flooded with submissions. I mean, that was my, other than my day job, that was my other full-time job was dealing with submissions for the, for, for that magazine. And I knew I just, it wouldn't be fair for me to do that to other writers right now because I wouldn't have time to read their stories. So I had to focus it and, uh, and, and so I, this was all invites. I'm going to do a couple of other invite only anthologies, and then I'll probably, I'll probably do one that I'm opening at least partial open to 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 submissions. Uh, and the folks at Outland are like, "Oh, do you know the? Do you know what you're getting? You know, getting yourself into?" And I was like, "Yes, I know exactly what I'm getting myself into because I've done it before years ago, um, but I have to be." It, it's less about i have to have the time to do it and more about i just can't one of the worst things for writers is you submit a story and you get a rejection knowing they've never read it or you just never hear back and that's not fair to those creators i just can't i just can't do it i just i just can't and uh so So, uh, so yeah, invite only, but I did make a point of inviting a few people who, who had not, who just aren't, they don't have many stories outright yet. I wanted some, some new, some new talent in there. And one of the next ones I'm doing has a, a, I've already invited a couple of writers who just don't have, they don't have any publishing credits, but I have faith that they're going to do something kind of awesome and, and neat. And, and I want them in the book and... And I think, uh, I think we'll have some, I think that gives us some, that gives us some interesting, an interesting vibe in the book.
0: We think that's really cool. And it actually it gets me to my next question. Cause you know, one thing I've enjoyed in my own limited experience as an editor is getting to treat writers the way I would like to be treated. <laughs> and part of that is just giving, as you say, like newer writers who you see promising a chance, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I'm wondering, what was your approach to editing this anthology, uh, like working with authors and their stories? Like, did you do development edits or did you just say, give me your story, I'll take it, it's good, I, I trust you, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, and how was your approach to editing this anthology informed so, by your past experiences as an author working right. with
1: editors? So I gave all of the, the writers, you know, a guideline page, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And I kind of let them run with it as much as they wanted to. If, uh, uh, if the writer wanted to to talk about their story idea and I had a couple that were like, well, here's what I kind of want to do with it. I was like, well, let's talk it out and see if it works. A couple just said, this is what I'm doing with it. You know? I was like, <laughs> Okay. All right, Mr. Lansdale. That's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> um, but, uh, But no, it was, it was very open communication with all of the creators, you know, some of them, the biggest question I got, um, and it kind of right up front from a lot of folks, does it have to be in a fantasy world? Does it have to be in the past? Does it have, so, so, uh, there was some discussion on that because. No, some of these stories in this anthology take place in our world. They're still sword and sorcery stories, but they take place in our world. Some of these stories take place in fantasy worlds in the far distant past. Some take place in fantasy worlds in the far future. Um, some take place which in worlds that are essentially here and now. So, and some take place in, you know, our world, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because I, I really wanted that. I wanted people to bring in different vibes, different t- time periods, different uh, you know, d- different takes on on what you know what are in there. The what what constitutes sword and sorcery? I told them whenever they asked that I said if it ha- it has to have a sword, <laughs> <laughs> it has to have sorcery, and it has to have some scare you know scary horror elements. Uh, and sword in quotations because some of them don't have swords. There are a lot of swords in this book. But there are also wrenches. There are, you know, uh, sun swords. There are all sorts of different kinds of weapons. Um, but yeah, uh, so we talked about it as much as they wanted to talk about it. Um, and then I kind of get out of their way. And then when I got the stories, I, I read them all for you know sort of a conceptual edit make sure there was no major problems with anything make sure that they fit the guideline that it was a good solid enjoyable story and then it goes to our copy editor who goes and make sure there's no there's no uh there's no you know problems with it in that regard um the thing i did that i will always do for all the anthologies and books i edit from now on is i gave them a monthly update uh so every month Sometimes like this month they're getting a couple extra because the project's going live on Kickstarter. But every month they get it, every creator in the book gets an email saying, this is where we are. These are the names that are going to be in the table of contents next to you. These are the things that we're working on, the things that we're interested about. Here's a glimpse of what the cover is going to look like. So I I tried to the one thing I have always wanted is when I'm in these anthologies, I love being just kept in the loop and feel like I'm part of it. So, I did a monthly edit or a monthly email to all the writers and uh and I you know occasionally we do it and someone would come back with questions or concerns about you know where their story was going um but for the most part it was it it was it was a pretty easy process uh, the I'm working with a lot of great great folks here some wanted more hand holding or more input than others, and that was that's great too um but uh but yeah the the updates were the updates I do are the big thing for me, and the next anthology I'm doing uh the theme of it is a little is 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 such that it would be easy for writers to tread similar water, so in that one yeah. we're sharing the themes of the stories like when the writers send me their one line what the story's about, I'm putting that in those emails so that everybody else knows, okay, this is what everyone's doing I'm going to. I'm going to try to keep out of that.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, that's something on my mind. Certainly if, uh, even with just like seven fiction stories, in an issue in my magazine, I'm thinking 22 stories in your anthology. What if like seven of them are all, I don't know, tomb rating stories or something, like right. it's all very similar territory. What do you, what do you do? You, you know. <laughs> um, well, it, for the
1: most part, most everyone messaged me, uh, like a line or two early on and said, Hey, I want to do this kind of story. So I had a, I had a little bit of a, a little bit of a, an idea, um, there's a there are some very very minor, they they sort of skirt similar orbits occasionally in stories, but I think that's interesting because of the themes of the stories. And and it was fun for me at that point to put the table of contents together in a way that I thought the stories flowed best. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some of that. I mean, certainly there are plenty of undead creatures in this in this book, oh, well, yeah. plenty of. <laughs> plenty of sh- deep shadows, you know, plenty of, and plenty of swords. Oh my goodness, the swords, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and you know, plenty of magical swords and you know, all that kind of thing. But it, they're so, they're such different takes on those tropes that it works very well. I think.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if it was a Western anthology, I don't think anybody would complain about all these six years. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and then yeah, the whole mixtape thing of, of putting together the order uh, must be very enjoyable. Were you shuffling that to the last minute, or did you? Feel uh, I'm, pretty still really
1: like a... I'm It's still like Tetris. I'm still like, okay, <laughs> which one, which one works best? What's gonna, you know, I, I want to. It's it's weird because I never read anthologies in order. I don't read. I read. I skip all around when I get an uh, when I pick up a new anthology, but I can't help but think to myself. If someone reads it in order how am i you know how are we you know dealing with the highs and lows uh, how are we dealing with the the and, and i'm not talking about in quality of stories i'm talking about this story is really terrifying and this one's a little more humorous how do we you know where do i balance those to, oh. to get the best reaction um so it, yeah i'm still tinkering with the table of contents even even <laughs> now
0: fair enough So if I can throw a little curveball at you, just something that popped in my head when I was thinking about uh, your other work and how it could relate to projects like this. You know, you've participated in big shared universe events, you know, over in comic books. How do you feel about shared universe uh, anthology series like Thieves World? And is that something you might ever want to try in Sword and Sorcery as an editor, author, or both?
1: I love Thieves World so much with a deep and fiery passion, Uh, to the point that A few years ago, another writer posted on Twitter and said, "I I have the collection of books that I don't I don't need. Does anybody know what these books are?" And it was all the original Thieves World paperbacks. And I'm like, "Oh damn, yep." I'm like, "Bring them, bring them to unto me." Um, (laughs) But yeah, I love Thieves World. I loved Wild Cards. I loved uh, Heroes in Hell. So I mean, I was always into those. And yes, I would love to do it. Yes, I have one in mind. Ah uh, there's some pieces that have to be put into place first. Um But remember how I was how much work it would be to to do open submissions? A shared universe anthology. Oof.
0: Oof that's a <laughs> lot of work. Um are, are there any lessons from like, you know, doing big DC and Marvel events that you would take over to that, do you think? There's I mean
1: the thing I, I think I would have to the thing I would would take, and take this as you will, the editor has to trust these writers to do it. So, in a shared universe, you present the idea, present the universe, you make yourself open to questions, you make yourself open to discussion of these stories, and then trust the writer to do it. If I brought writers into this, that means I think they are talented people who can tell a great story. Maybe let them do that. Maybe get the hell out of the way. Just get out of the way. And the one thing I would definitely not do is try to write it by committee. Because uh, writing by committee produces some of the worst comic books you've ever read.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence you're making me think of TV writing uh, when you talk about that kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, running by committee or showrunners who will just rewrite the hell out of the individual author's episodes, so they're basically theirs. Well, it happens, but
1: I feel like in television it works. And, you know, I I did a writer's room over the summer, and it was a great experience. I loved it. Uh, I really enjoyed every step of the way because we had trust. We had, you know – we we knew what we were doing the the showrunner was willing to say you know this is this is my vision and let's go forward and let's you know i trust you to 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 work within that vision and i think it works and i I mean it's it's a, ne- a necessity in television perhaps especially when you get into these great shows that are going episode to episode to episode being produced very quickly and they have to you know everything has to mesh um so it's nice to have have those people in in the same room at least for a little while uh i don't think it works in comics as well um at least not in my experience uh because there, <laughs> there are too many egos in the room um and uh, i don't think it would work in an anthology no right i mean look no writer wants to sit in that's going to write a short story wants to sit in this room with a and, and hash out the details of every tale with, uh, with 20 other writers. (laughs) Um, So, so I think it, it would all come down to, to trust in it, but, but yeah, I, I have thoughts on doing something like that, a shared anthology series. There's something about it. That's exciting to me. Um, and it's probably a little nostalgia because I liked them so much when I was, when I was younger. Oh, and still, I still
0: like them. <laughs> well, I had nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's possible I'm being ignorant here, but I'm not aware of any currently right now, not from major publishers, are there?
1: There might be, but I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of one either.
0: So maybe uh, the time is ripe, uh, you know, for and, them to come back. You
1: know, Yeah, there was an era where they were all the rage, you know, and, uh, so. but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know of any right now.
0: Fair enough. All right. So, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, recording this on March eleventh. By the time people hear it, the Kickstarter for this will be live. I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, and as I said, having just been through it myself, I'm very curious about some of the details. And you know, if, if you if you don't have answers, that's cool. We can push forward uh, to the next one. But uh, what exactly does the Kickstarter aim to cover? I confess, I was a little confused to learn there was a Kickstarter because I was able to pre-order the book from Outland before. And then I saw sure. Heavy Piper tweeting about the Kickstarter yesterday. So I was like, oh, wait, what? You know, how does, how does the pre-order and the Kickstarter isn't the Kickstarter supposed to be the pre-order? Like, Yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, the Kickstarter – so I, that's Outland's model is that they – Outland's model is – and if I speak – I may be speaking out of turn here. I think their model is they kickstart everything they do. And they use that Kickstarter as sort of their pre-order, their main pre-order system. But they do put their books – they know the book's going to come out. They know the – you know, they're – they're, they know the book's gonna be available, so they go ahead and put it out on their website as a, a pre-order just to, to show that they're doing it. But the main pre-order system would be the Kickstarter. So I've been, and I that's one of the reasons I haven't really been pointing people to the, the Outer Shadows page to order the book because I knew the Kickstarter was coming. Um, so that's what I would say. I'd say the Kickstarter is the main pre-order system. If you just hate Kickstarter, you just don't wanna do it, you can go pre-order the book. Um, and and get it you know get it from from them on that you know on that website uh okay. but i think the kickstarter I, I will is say as a final. canadian
0: i appreciated the pre-order because uh there are kickstarters i've had to choose that I, I really wanted to back but i haven't been able to justify it financially because of the intense cost of shipping whereas yeah. the Outland, i was able to pay what seemed pretty reasonable you know within canada shipping so
1: right and that's you know that's the other thing you know, Shipping's so crazy, you know. <laughs> a, yeah. So I think you know they just want to make sure the book's available to the people, to to the readers in whatever way works best for for them, you know. Um, okay. But so. yeah, uh, the Kickstarter I think is going to be a lot of fun. It's it's going to cover swords in the shadows. That's the the book I'm editing, the one we've been talking about. But we're also offering uh, a novella. That's coming out called Rays Mother Maiden and Crone, which I'm writing. So oh. it's already written. It's a it's a sword. It's a and it fits in the same universe. It's a sword and sorcery and horror uh, fantasy tale. Um, very dark sword and sorcery story that is being published as a novella that introduces a world I'm hoping we'll be able to explore. My goal with Rays is to really explore this world in a in a much bigger way um the characters in that are they're sort of my conan you know conan stories they had several numerous <laughs> stories that were written in, and you could plug them into a chronology uh cirrus and cast in my in rays are those characters for me and i'm excited to see them appear in more and more you know work uh i didn't it's want to a novella. what's that that's cool to hear
0: it's up, a I, that so it's, cool to hear that's a, it's a novella like i i find and sorcery works really well and kind of short episodic tales and so boom yeah. novella, right like,
1: yeah. yeah and also i just like the novella, i like the novella format i mean it's becoming very popular right now again and i just think it's a it's a cool format especially if the books look nice and you know they're 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 good looking books so uh so yeah it i'm excited about about seeing that um and then you know we're obviously we're doing You know, you can get digital versions of the book, you can get hard copy versions of the book, you can get signed copies of, uh, signed by me, uh, uh, copies of the book as part of the Kickstarter. You can get the anthology, you can get the anthology and the novella. So there's lots of variations on what you can get
0: are there um, any like Kickstarter exclusives or first aid backer, you know, kind of
1: incentives? I can't remember if they have, I, I was actually trying to call it up here so I could tell you if uh, <laughs> what the, uh, what the, if there were early birds or anything like that on it. Um, sure. It, uh, there are some, there. there's some neat things that you can get, like uh, at some of the, and not even that high a level, you can get bundles of outland anthologies so you can get uh ebooks of i mean just not even reading them off here it looks like dozens of anthologies that you can get at a really really nice price that you could be reading for a long time because you know as i mentioned outland's outland really does these anthologies they do lots of them they've done you know books about dinosaurs and kaiju and uh, they did a, a great one, if you're a sword and sorcery fan, they did one, uh, uh, Blackards, which is like a book of, uh, about, you know, n- anti-heroes, really, less than, you know, not heroic mm-hmm. fantasy characters. Um, so they've got, you know, those, I think we're going to be doing, one of the levels I think we're going to be doing is a, uh, it's only going open for five people, I think, unless they decide to do t- two of them where I'm going to run five folks through a sword and sorcery and horror uh, role-playing game session. So we'll (laughs) we'll do an old-fashioned sword, sorcery, and horror RPG game. Um, So there's some interesting... You know what system you want to use? Yeah, I think we're going to probably, for this one, we'll probably use uh, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Um, Maybe not. I mean, we'll see. We are, uh, as part of, you know... I'm I'm probably speaking out of turn by saying we're developing some things that maybe in the future it would be run under uh, uh-huh. something completely different um, because again uh, Outland does you know board games role playing games comics and Outer Shadows the imprint under that heading there's, we can do all those things too so I've already got uh, in the Outer Shadows calendar i've already got role-playing games planned out to to be introduced into the into the mix as well very cool yeah
0: are Um, there any exciting stretch goals if you guys hit certain totals will i don't think we in blood or yeah. uh
1: we have not necessarily hit or established the stretch goals yet uh it's one of those things where we're like let's see how it does and then we'll establish them but if we look at some of outland's other Uh, kickstarters they've done some interesting things I mean I'm certain we're looking at um, you know they'll be the same things are all you know stickers and you know you know tchotchkes and and cool little things I would love I really debated with them about trying to do a if 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 we hit a certain goal we add another story or two to the mix the the only drawback with that is these stories are all done the book's ready so any any of that kind of addition means i have delayed the book in some way so i want to try to avoid delaying the book the biggest the biggest stretch goal though and this one is established and is really important to me Mm -hmm. uh all the writers in this book were paid but their page rate, their pay pay by word rate goes up at a certain stretch goal. So we're going to pay them more. Um, And I would love, I mean, and that's, to me, that was beyond, here's a sticker, here's a book plate, here's a, you know, a postcard, which I love all that stuff. But when I back Kickstarters, I love that. I love seeing that kind of stuff. But more than anything, I wanted to make sure that the writers were award rewarded for the success of the campaign. So that's the first. That's the first kick. That's the first stretch goal. And I can't remember what that, where that goal lies right now. What you know, what we have to attain to to do that. But uh, but that's the first one. Is yeah. Uh, as soon as it, as soon as we hit a certain goal, our, our writers get paid more for the project.
0: I think that's great, and I, re- I really like that. I'm seeing that more and more. Years, creators are realizing that's you know they have us reward the people who are making the project possible, and I think backers really dig it. You know they like the idea that uh, yeah. if they help boost you further, it'll help the creators uh, more. Yeah,
1: well. I'm looking at a previous anthology they've done, and apparently, at a certain goal, the editor gets a bonus. Hey, so I'm excited <laughs> about that one too. Yeah, hey, I didn't know that one. that might be
0: in the cards who knows oh my goodness um paying the editor fancy that yeah I, I'm, but... I'm, I'm i'm always stunned at how often when i talk to people doing these kinds of publications they will be like oh and of course as editor i'm not paying myself and i'm like what do you mean like how do you keep doing it if you don't get like it's not sustainable if you <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it, look to to some degree it's definitely a for the love project this is not a a book that i put out there over to my right, I have a bulletin board of all my projects, and I have paid projects and for-the-love projects and projects that don't make a lot of money, and they're all in different categories. Uh, this is not a project I I embarked – I didn't embark down this road with the intent that I'm going to get wealthy making sword and oh. sorcery anthologies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no,
0: no, no. But, yeah. <laughs> I agree. But um, you know what I mean, right? Like It's like yeah. you got to – the people making the thing have to be able to save themselves, otherwise yeah. they can't keep paying creators
1: right and and it is the most important thing for me is all the writers get paid no matter what mm-hmm. i might get paid if the book does well i might get a little something out of it um but the writers will get paid and mm-hmm. that's the big thing and and the first stretch goals will be the writers get paid more if the yeah. if the book does well and and then we'll establish more stretch goals as we go along i i kind of even on the kickstarters i've done myself i've kind of Less stretch goals, a little open until it gets to that point, just so I have some time to think about it and think about what could be exciting, and we'll get comments from people about what they think will be, you know, the cool, the cool idea for stretch goals. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's more it's more important for me to to get these writers paid, and it's also one of the things I get out of it is I just love doing it. I love dealing with these writers. I love talking to these writers. I love, I love getting their work out for people to read. And, uh, I think it's, there there's, there's a, I'm sure, you know, this, there's a certain feeling of, of pride that you get to share these stories with the world. Um, and yeah, and yes, I want people to read Ray's as well. Um, (laughs) uh, But, but Ray's, raises a separate publication because I, I don't put my own stories in an anthology. I don't, I just, I, I can't.
0: Yeah, that's a tricky one, eh? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, did you ever read any of the old anthologies edited by Lynn Carter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, he would do his year's best anthologies, and it's like, oh, really, Lynn? You're in the year's best, huh? And in, and in one case, it, I I don't know if this is true, but too many people have said it to ignore, in one case, he put in one of his stories with his name, and another story of his with an alias <laughs>
1: you know and and i can see it i think sometimes publishers especially if you're dealing with a big name writer the publisher may say well you want to edit this anthology we need one of your stories in it in order to make it marketable maybe you know maybe that's what maybe that's what's happening um i just i've always felt sort of uncomfortable with it i just don't i don't love putting my own stuff in there um because i'm a terrible judge of of my own work i hate all of it so Uh, why would i why would i take why would i publish any of it Um, but i did like the idea of doing rays as its own as its own book and it felt right it felt right because it's it's so complementary to sword and sorcery and horror
0: yeah, and I also think as a reader, like I find when I read anthologies, I—I I mean, Lin Carter, I'm kind of chuckling at because it, it was literally called "Years Best" and he put his name in it uh, twice, yeah, in one yeah, case, maybe. I mean, but but I think in general, like I, Lynn if it's Carter one story, <laughs> yeah, 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 he's not alone. Yeah, I, I think if it's one story, I, I can kind of live with it sometimes because I feel like okay, well, the author wants to be like, here's my direct personal expression of whatever theme this thing's about. But uh, I think what you're doing is maybe the the better path of going, okay, look, like maybe you think I want to read this editor's take on this fiction, but we'll put it on the side. It's like, it's like a side. Yeah. Deal. yeah. And
1: and I, you know, look, and I had to submit that to them and get it approved. And, you know, that was, you know, I had to, that was my own submission process to see if they, they even liked, uh, liked the idea of doing it. Um, yeah, but, yeah. but uh, you know, Ray's, like I said, that's going to be a, and Ray's has been in, in the pro in, in, in the creative stages for decades, because, you know, we were one time, there was another publisher, a smaller publisher who wanted to go all in on Rays, and, uh, and we started work, we started down that path and, then it just fell apart. And then I kind of shelved it for a long time, heartbroken perhaps, and then finally brought it back to do something with it. Now I'm excited about doing more Rays and, and, and building that world out into some interesting, in some interesting ways. And again, all things in success. I mean, who knows? Maybe Ray's becomes a shared world, you know, a a focused anthology at some point. Um, The beautiful thing about this this imprint is there's so much flexibility with what I can do and what I – it's a beautiful thing and it's also dangerous because I get on the phone with the Outland folks and I'm like, Well, we could do this, and we could do this, and I could do this, and then let's do this, and I and and they have to caution me. They say you've just outlined a multi-year publishing plan already, and we haven't even put the first book out yet. I said, "Yes, that's (laughs) right, and let's do it faster, faster, more, bigger, yeah. (laughs) yeah, bigger."
0: Oh man! Well, I mean, I'm definitely excited to see whatever the heck all that manifests into. I'm sure it'll be a really exciting read and with good art. Which reminds me, I meant to ask. Um, forgive me if I just was being dumb, but I couldn't find the name of the artist for the cover. Who, uh, who did who did the cover for the anthology?
1: So, uh, the cover for we went through several cover variations for Swords in the Shadow. Uh, the the cover we have, which has this great barbarian fighting this tentacular beast, uh, is by Anne Marie Cochran. Uh, she's done some other covers for, I mean, she's done a lot of stuff. She's done a lot of covers for Outland. And then the cover for Ray's, uh which you'll see on the Kickstarter page, is by Baldemar Rivas, who I do, who I've done a lot of comic books with uh, in the past. Uh, so yeah, two very, very cool covers. We went, uh, <laughs> we went back and forth and back and forth on those covers. I mean, I had, I had very particular, in my mind, I knew kind of what I wanted it to look like. But I didn't, it wasn't where I knew that it had to have, you know, a swordsman. And, uh, you know, uh, I just basically sent Outland a bunch of cover images from other sword and sorcery books. And I said, but you've got to remember this is also a horror, a horror book. So we've got to have some, you know, horror elements to it. And uh, Anne-Marie uh, Anne did this, uh, she did the cover. She had variations of the color schemes and everything. So there were some neat, you know, it was neat to see that all come, come
0: together. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I I really enjoyed talking with you and I feel like we could do another hour without blinking, but you uh, were saying you've got a wild few weeks ahead of you. You just had a very busy week. I feel like I should set you free. So uh, as I was doing that, why don't you, um, I think you've already, yeah, you've already talked about a little bit about what outer shadows, uh, what's going to be coming down the line from that. So just, yeah, uh, the Kickstarter, I'll link that in the show notes, people. So please go check that out. Go search for the name on Kickstarter to find it. And where should people look for you online if uh, they want to follow your work in general I'll just check you so, out and learn more about you? so i just
1: redid my website after a long time i'm uh, so i've redone a website you can find me at uh, cullenbun.com is the the best place to find me um and from that website you can subscribe to my newsletters I, you know, I do a weekly newsletter about uh my life and writing and my work and the things i'm i'm interested in i do a weekly newsletter on that and then i also do an outer shadows newsletter that's not weekly it's more monthly uh just to keep folks in the in the loop on what's coming with outer shadows and uh we i put a not i mean i put short stories by other writers in that newsletter so you get a horror short a horror, a short horror story in every issue of outer shadows newsletter cool. um so and you can get to all of that from from my website though all
0: right awesome i'll put that link in the show notes as well folks so you can just click on it easy peasy all right, well, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, Cullen. I'm really excited to read this anthology. Well, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. So I'm Writing a Novel, features original intro and outro music by Gloria Guns, and is hosted by yours truly, Oliver Brackenbury. If you'd like to submit a question or otherwise just drop me a line, please email it to so novel at gmail.com. You can also holler at the show on Twitter. Look for at so underscore writing. That's at so writing. Please consider sharing the show with anybody who might like it or checking out any of the other ways you can support the show by heading to soimwritinganovel.com slash support the show, which has things like links to our Patreon, coffee, and PayPal. Thanks for hanging out with me and Colin, and I'll see you soon.